The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A <laughs> First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Hello again, everyone, and we are back after a week (laughs) off because of some problems with Skype, and we're just going to lay it right at the feet of Skype. You see, when we put this thing together, everyone, welcome. first of all, welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell along with Mark Donahue, and we're going to sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. But before we do that, let's go down south and talk to Mark. And Mark, as I was going about to say, when we put this show together, we bring you on via Skype. And last week, for some reason, whatever the reason was, Skype just went absolutely haywire. And you were unable to hear me, I was unable to hear you, you couldn't even call in, and things just did not work out well last week, and we wanted to talk about the All-Star game, but hey, we got to call a spade a spade here, Skype was the problem, but now we've got everything fixed and we're back this week. Yeah, Dave, after seven years, um, last week, I think, was going to be my best show. Uh, I was really prepared. And, uh, I, I just, I've kind of lost it now. You know, my, my edge is off. I was prepared to climb to new heights in radio broadcasting last week. And I was so depressed that it took me a while to get over it. So, uh, if I do anything rash, uh, it's because of Skype and I want you to go after him for me. Were you taking lessons from Scaramunchi? <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't go there. But Mark, let, let, let's talk a little bit about before we get into the Indians and Reds. I've got to tell you, I've you know, first of all, Clayton Kershaw goes down with an injury. His back again. Steven Strasburg goes down with an injury. Devin Mezzarocco has just come back. Jason Kipnis of the Indians and Lonnie Chisenhall, they're about ready to come back. But injuries have hit everybody abound in Major League Baseball this year. And I have come to the conclusion after today, I know what the problem is. Well, it's not Obamacare. us. Obamacare. Obamacare. <laughs> you know, That's it's funny. The, problem. <clears throat> the last time we were on the air, we talked at length about the injuries on pitching staffs. The Reds aren't the only ones who have suffered through a, a, a injury plague season with their starting pitching. A number of other clubs have, too. And <clears throat> the article talked about the fact that because these guys are throwing so hard, that is, that's the problem. And, you know, the only way you, you fix that problem is to change how young pitchers are brought into baseball, how they are, are taught to pitch, because if it's going to be max effort every time they go out on the mound and everybody's still in 98, this is what happens. Arms are going to break down. Shoulders are going to break down. And it'll be interesting to see five, six years from now if, if organizations, particularly pitching staffs, look at their, their product a little differently. Because, and number one, uh, pitchers are not more effective just because they throw harder. They're not. Uh, if you throw a fastball over to the middle of the plate, I don't care how hard you throw it, major league hitters are going to hit it. And ERAs have not gone down with the advent of a fastball, fastball, fastball motif, but it's it's not just a fastball. They have guys now in the major leagues throwing their sliders at 90 miles an hour. <laughs> that was faster than most major league pitchers were throwing their fastballs 20 years ago. You had a lot of guys, you know, Greg Maddox, I don't think he ever broke 90. So <clears throat> this breakdown of pitchers is not something that's going to go away unless they change the way these pitchers are brought into baseball. And I think it starts all the way down into youth leagues. Mark, the trade deadline is coming up next Monday, a week from tonight. And when we come back on the air next week, we'll be able to talk about some of the trades. I know you you think it's possible that the Reds are going to do something. I really don't think the Indians 
will do anything at the trade deadline that's going to mean anything to their pennant hopes because they're starting to play better now. But Minnesota today, they're two and a half games behind the Indians heading into tonight's action as the Indians are taking on the Reds and right now winning the game. This is a makeup game from back in May when the Reds were in Cincinnati and the second game of that two-game set got rained out, so they had to scurry up to Cleveland today and play the this game this evening. It was supposed to be an off day for both clubs, but the Indians are winning it right now 4-2. to two. Mark, as you look at what happened today, Minnesota, I think, made a great trade. They got Jaime Garcia from the Atlanta Braves for virtually nothing, and you know, Minnesota right now is looking. They're begging for starting pitching. They've got Bartolo Colon, and Colon kind of hinted after last week's game that when he, he got beat up in five innings coming over from Atlanta to Minnesota that maybe he's seeing the end of the road coming at him now because he got beat up. He was going to go one more start and see how he felt, and then he would make a decision. But you know, I'll tell you what, this Jaime Garcia, he has never really been with a team, Mark, that has had an opportunity to win, and especially with Atlanta this year, even though he had an over-4 ERA. The kid's pitched well. He's had arm problems in the past, but I think that's a big pickup for Minnesota. What do you think? Well, Jaime Garcia is with St. Louis. That's the one you're talking about, right? Right. Well, he no, he wasn't with St. Louis. He was with Atlanta, but he's the one no, I know, from but he St. Had started. Louis. Yes. Yeah, but he he had been with good teams in St. Louis, that's for sure. Uh, he's you know he's pitched on a big stage before. I think he's a, he to me he was always a, a guy that uh, you thought you were going to beat, and then you never did. You know he had that he was a pitcher. He wasn't throwing ninety eight. You know he hit the corners, and I think he's a great pickup. And I'm really surprised that Minnesota. Uh, I admire them going out now, quick and doing it. I mean. It, the thing I don't understand, if you if you if you conclude you're going to make a trade, why do you wait until the day of the deadline? Why wouldn't you make that trade earlier? Yeah, just get it done. Get it done, and you know the the trade that the Cubs made the other day, uh, getting Quintana over from the White Sox. Uh, I think that was a smart move. You know, they they did it uh, two weeks before the trade deadline. And he's going to help that ball club. He's he's two and zero with a what two two point oh eight ERA. Uh, that's what the Cubs do. They're they're proactive. They're aggressive. And teams that win, that's what they do. And you know, unfortunately, the Reds. Uh, we'll get into it a little later. Just they're not of that ilk. I, I don't know why. Mark, you've talked about it a lot as far as pitching is concerned in Major League Baseball. The Indians have announced that they're going to go with a six man rotation now you know I talked a couple of weeks ago that the Indians were going to have quite a dilemma on their hands when Corey Kluber and Danny Salazar came back well it turns out they have no dilemma they've already decided they're going to go with a six-man rotation with Salazar Kluber Carrasco Bauer uh, Clevenger and Tomlin who started tonight against the Reds I know you were watching a little bit of that game Mark I you know, this is one of the nights that Tomlin had his stuff going, and he was throwing well. Yeah, he was. He's one of those guys who, you know, is hot and cold, and, and you really, if you're going into the playoffs, he's not the guy you want, you know, in, in your top three starters. But he's a, he, I think he's a good, serviceable number five uh, guy, and that's probably what he is in your staff. He, he'd be number one for the Reds. <laughs> Do you really I'm think not so? kidding. Yeah, he absolutely would. He absolutely would be their number one pitcher. You know, I was, I don't want to say, I, I know a lot of people looked at the Saturday start by Stevenson. Well, let's let's get your opinion of it first. What what did you think about the start Saturday by Robert Stevenson for the Reds? I thought it was very consistent. I thought it, it, it would be what I it would have turned out to be. Uh, he doesn't have put away stuff. Uh, he, you know, he gives up five, six, seven runs every time he goes out. It doesn't matter how many innings he pitches. Uh, he'll get another chance. I'm not say I'm not saying the the door is closed on him, but he clearly, without any question, he has been a disappointment to the Reds. Can that change next year or the year after? Maybe, but up until now, he, he's been in the organization I think six years, and he has an ERA up what five and a half or six. Uh, he, he's he, he looks to be a four you know a four level player. Um, 4A player, 
and that means he, he's he's good at AAA or effective at AAA. He comes up one level to the major leagues, and he doesn't have the stuff. And other pitchers have turned it around. Remember Jake Arrieta? You know, Jake yes. Arrieta, slow start to, to his career. And maybe that will happen to Stevenson. I hope so. But right now, for number one pick, although I think he was the 27th pick that year for the Reds, uh, he he has not panned out. And maybe he will, but uh, that's when an organization like the Reds, when they don't have a lot of money, if you screw up your draft, uh, you, ha- you have really put yourself behind the eight ball. This guy was supposed to be a number one starter, and he's not even a number five starter. You know, you look at Stevenson, and I just think, you know, I, we've talked about this before. I think he's got a million-dollar arm and a ten-cent head. Uh, he, he said after the game on Saturday, and this is the thing that impressed me the most about him, that he learned from that start. That's the first time I've ever heard him even come close to saying anything like that, Mark. Now, if he can humble himself and start listening to the people who know how to coach him, then maybe he's got some promise. But if he continually is bullheaded, and like Delano DeShields, his manager down with the Louisville Bats, said, he'll try something on the sideline, but then he will not take it into the game with him. If he continues to do that, Mark, I think it's just it's a one-way ticket out of Cincinnati for Stevenson. Dave, the thing I, that I'm disappointed about is that his fastball doesn't have a lot of movement on it. He throws hard. He throws. He was up 96, 97 consistently in that game. I think he hit 98 once or twice. But it's right down the pipe. Uh, he <clears throat> He's wild in the zone. And that means that he'll throw a strike, but if you throw a strike right down the middle, if you're not on the corners, you're going to get lit up. And that's what happens to him. He, he's a guy that you can time. And his, his fastball does not move. It does not dart. And hopefully he's going to work on a changeup over the over the course of the winter because he doesn't have that secondary pitch yet that can put a hitter away. He gets ahead, two strikes, but he leaves it out over the middle plate, and the, the, the hitters catch up with it. You know who he, remind, he reminds me of, Mark? J.J. Hoover. Yeah, yeah, I see some similarities there. Uh, I, I think he has... He probably has more potential than J.J. Hoover, but Hoover is a, oh, a lot of hard-working guy. I mean, he, he's a guy who does listen to coaching, and everybody pulled for J.J. Hoover because he's a good guy. And I'm not saying Stevenson's not. I, I don't know that he's a bad guy. I'm just saying I, I heard the same thing you have heard, that he doesn't take coaching well, and he's kind of a bullhead. And But major league pitchers, uh, they will learn from major league hitters <laughs> that they better start listening. So... Uh, it's it's unfortunate that he has not lived up to expectations. Uh, he, but to me, he just doesn't have the stuff. And I don't know if that's going to require, uh, you know, just maturation or picking up a new pitch. I don't know. But he he's a he's a hittable guy, and major league pitchers are proving that. It's not a theory. If you don't have a fastball that moves, has late movement early movement, it doesn't matter. It's got to move sometime on the way to the plate. You just can't make it at the major leagues. No, if, if you throw what they call a pipe fastball, which is a fastball right down the middle, even if it's kind of outside or kind of inside, if it doesn't move, major league hitters will catch up with it. And Stevenson can get away with that down in the minors. He cannot get away with it up here. In, in the major leagues, he, he just doesn't have the, the, the stuff to do that. So uh, it's going to be tough for him to uh, make a big change unless he commits to himself that he's going to find a new pitch that makes that fastball more effective. A 97-mile-an-hour fastball is enough. That's enough of a fastball. But, again, you've got – sometimes it's as simple as how you change your grip on your fastball. And But if he doesn't take coaching – uh, you can talk to your blue in the face, and, and, and if he doesn't do it, doesn't do any good. Mark, the Indians came into tonight's game against the Reds 51-45, and 45, first place in the American League Central Division by a game and a half over Kansas City. The Indians have won three straight. They're winning tonight over the Reds. But Kansas City's got the longest winning streak in Major League Baseball right now. They've won five in a row, and they're breathing down the Indians' necks. As I said, just a game and a half out of first place with a record of 
50 and 47. Now you look at the Reds right now. You know, I think the Reds are rather surprising. When you look at how this team has played, forget about the pitching just for the time being. If you look at how this team has played and didn't know what their record was, and you looked at it now and thought 41 and 57 for the Reds just doesn't seem possible. I, you know, I've got to say, Mark, this team I think is better than 41 and 57. I know you're going to say they are too, but it surprises me that there are 16 games under 500, even with their pitching situation the way it's been. Well, I'm going to surprise you. Uh, I think this team is underperforming. Um, the, the reason their record isn't abysmal like it was two years ago, and, and abysmal last year too, but and I'll get into that in a minute, is they're playing in a crappy division. So they can go into their own division and hold their own because the division is so weak. And, you know, ten and a half is a lot of games out, but last year at this time, I think the Reds were 22 games out of first place. So it, a lot has to do with how you, the rest of your division is playing. But, you know, one of the things I've been looking at, and I did do some homework on this, you know, I, I think if you look at an organization and where they are, the Reds are supposedly in rebuild mode. The Indians have Indians have done that. They have rebuilt. They are they are a very very good ball club. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think the the, the Indians are the top four in baseball. I, I can't think of you know many teams better than them. The Dodgers, I would guess, obviously, uh, best record in baseball. Uh, Houston, uh, but you, you you throw a blanket over those teams. The Indians, um, the two teams I just mentioned, and two or three others. But the Reds aren't even close. You know, what happened with Washington proved that. They got blown out in four games. But you can't look at one year. So I went back and looked at ten years. In ten years, starting in 2008, including this year, the Reds are 50 games, 5-0, under 500. They've had only three winning seasons. And that was 2010, 2012, and 2013. And even in 2013, they finished third in the division and still made the playoffs. <laughs> so the Reds just don't have and, – and you look where they are, Dave, and you can compare this with where the Indians were before they got good two or three years ago. The Reds aren't even close to being good. They're not even close to being good. And that's what scares me. The pitching staff – is not only the worst in Major League Baseball. Now, get the statistic. Their ERA is not only the worst in Major League Baseball by a run and a half, or 1.4. It's the worst pitching staff in the history of baseball. Take that in for a minute. Their starting staff is the worst in the history of baseball. If the season ended today, that's how bad the team ERA is for their starting pitching. So... Yeah, I'd like to believe the Reds are getting better. I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. Well, I see it from the standpoint that they came into the season with a 40-year-old Bronson Arroyo in their starting rotation. They've got a guy named Robert Stevenson that they're trying to baby him into the starting rotation. They've got Anthony DiSclefani, who is down in the minor leagues right now, going to pitch. Matter of fact, I understand he's going to pitch maybe his final rehab assignment this Friday in Fort Wayne for the Dayton Dragons. You've got Homer Bailey, who has pitched, what, four or five games since he came off the DL, and three of them have been good, two of them have been atrocious. You've got the, you've got all sorts of pitchers, Mark, that have been on this major league team that maybe some of them don't even deserve to be on a triple-A team at this point in their career. And that's not saying that they're not major league caliber pitchers. Well, aren't right you making now, my point? They're not. Yeah, I'm making Aren't your you point. making the my fact point? Is, the fact is, is that this team is showing some promise, even by losing, because of the fact that they're playing players that probably don't deserve to be at the major league level, but at least they're coming up and they're putting in some performances. This bullpen, Mark, I mean, if you separate the pitching staff from starters to relievers, I think you'd see it, and you probably have the stats there in front of you as far as that's concerned. The starting rotation's been abysmal. It, it's been terrible. You know, we'll, you and I will both talk about that, but how, how else can it be when you've got Finnegan 
on the DL. He's only made, what, three starts all year, and he was supposed to be your second or third spot starter. You've got Di Sclafani, who hasn't even been with the team yet. You've got Bailey, as I said before, has only made four or five starts so far. So you've got your top three in the rotation that basically have made, what, six starts this year? Seven starts? So you're looking at guys like Feldman being up at the top of your rotation when he should be probably your third or fourth starter? Yeah, I, I think this team has, has shown some resilience. I think it's shown some promise. And I think, you know, they're going to be better for this the longer that it, that it goes. I mean, you're going to see guys now that have got some major league experience that are going to come up next year and the year after, and they're going to have that experience, and it's going to bode well for them. One of the one of the qualities that a starting staff has to have is being able to stay healthy. And the last two years, the Reds have not been able to stay healthy. So you just named you named Homer Bailey, Di Stefani, um, Finnegan. Uh, who else did you name that was on the starting rotation beginning of the Homer year? Bailey, Di Sclafani, Homer and Bailey. Finnegan. Okay. Okay. Now, who else were the other starters supposed to be this year? Uh, Feldman. You've got Adelman. Okay. Who probably would have okay. been a starter. Let's name those five starters, okay? Now, you are the general manager of the Cleveland Indians. You look at your pitching staff. Which of those pitchers right now, at this very moment, would you put on your staff and replace them? Yeah, here's the rule. You've got to use this guy the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Which one would you pick? Homer Bailey. And you think he's going to be healthy enough to pitch? You know, he's no. got an ERA over, over six. No, I, I don't. But, Mark, two weeks ago you said Clayton Kershaw was one of the best pitchers in baseball. How yeah. many seasons has he gone without being on the DL? None. Steven Strasburg, same thing. None. Yes, just, but he's, he's not done anymore. But yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. But Clayton Kershaw has won the side Young, what, two times or three times? He's produced. Oh, I agree with you. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. My, my whole but, point in this is that the Reds pitching staff, with the guys you mentioned, if you're going into 2018, depending on those guys, you're a fool because they have not proved that they can stay healthy. And that's what they did this year. They said, oh, yeah, these guys are coming back. These Scafani's been hurt three years in a row. And twice, the last two years, he's not come up until July, you know, July. And now it's going to be probably August till he pitches. So, you know, it, the the frustrating part for me is if you're going to be a general manager and you're going to be an owner, you can't foresee this, then you're in the wrong job. These guys have never proven to stay healthy. And Finnegan got hurt last year. He's hurt again this year. They just don't have depth in their AAA, uh, at the AAA level, like, like a Stevenson, that they can bring up and slot him in like the Indians do or the Cubs do or uh, Washington does. See, that's because where I, I tend to disagree with you because I thought, you know, Sal Romano has come up and he's pitched well in in his two starts with the Reds. He's come up and he's 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 pulled their fat out of the fire a couple of times. And there's the other kid, and, and now his name escapes me. Uh, I believe he pitched yesterday. Well, Romano pitched uh, day before Friday. Yesterday. I guess he pitched Friday. Yeah, yeah Friday night, um, and then Stevenson came up and pitched on Saturday. And um, any, anyway, there's another kid down in the minors that that came up and and has pitched well. You well, know, the I mean, fact that you can't remember his name, you know, and, and Romano, <laughs> I hope he ends up, you know, being a Cy Young winner. But you know, he's two and two, and he's got an ERA close to six. He's had a couple good starts, but you know, he's he's not the kind of guy that you're going to turn over a rotation spot to. And again, look at look at the Indians, look at Washington, look at Los Angeles, look at the top teams in the league. And the Reds don't have one pitcher outside of Iglesias that could probably make the entire staff on those teams. I can't think of one guy I'd want if I was a general manager of a contending team off the Reds' uh, pitching staff. 
the guy that's coming in right now for the Reds, Tony Singrani, I think would generate a lot of interest among some major league GMs. Well, he, again, he's been a disappointment. He just gave up a home run. Uh, he gives up a run almost every time he comes in. He's got an ERA around four. And we're calling him, you know, one of the best pitchers on the Reds team. That, that's my point. He, he's, he's not been a shutdown guy. Uh, he, he, I think he can be effective for the right team. I think he'd be effective. But I, I, can't, I can't think of a spot that one of the Reds – now, Iglesias is the exception. Uh, he, he could go anywhere. He, he's that good. But when you have to – for the Reds to compete with the Indians or the Dodgers or Washington, it's going to take three or four years for the Reds to get there. And that means that the Reds will have a, 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 a losing streak, as it were, by under 500 for seven or eight years, Dave. And that that kind of failure is an organizational failure. It's not the failure of one player or two players. It's the organization drafting wrong, investing wrong, trading wrong. All those things come into play. Any team can have a bad year. Look at the Giants this year. After, what, 31 games out of first place? I mean, because the Dodgers are, you know, they ran away and hit. But the Giants will be back. The Cardinals, they're so consistent every year. They're, and they're, they're in the, the hunt again this year, even after a terrible start. Uh, that's why I'm disappointed as a Reds fan that the, that the Reds are really down in so many ways. And you and I disagree. You think they're, you know, looking over the edge, and I, and I hope you're right. But over the last two weeks, when I've seen them against some really good teams, they aren't even close. They're not even close. <laughs> well, the Indians, as we said, you know, they were in the same position a few years ago, Mark. I know. You know they had to rebuild. They had to get their, their starting rotation set up. I mean, a few years ago, you were you were looking at guys that you didn't even know their names, like you're, like you're talking about, that they're coming up with the Reds. And you had guys who were doing the same thing for the Indians. And then the Indians concentrated on their pitching staff. You know, I think the Reds are doing it the correct way. In order to bring people out to the, out to the stadium to watch a team play, you've got to have an offensive team. And that's what the Reds have. The pitching, you can work it in. I know that, that sounds crazy, but you know, the fact of the matter is, Mark, pitching takes a lot more to, a lot more time to develop than hitting does. But hitting is more exciting. And the Reds, they can hit the baseball. And that's what brings people out to the stands. Hey, I don't know this. I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking the question. How many of on the uh, Indian staff are homegrown? You've got Kluber, Salazar, <clears throat> Tomlin came from St. Louis, Bauer came from Arizona. Carrasco came from Philadelphia. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, Carrasco came from Philadelphia. Um, Ch- uh, Co- Cody Allen is homegrown. Zach McAllister came from the Yankees. Just th- trying to think of the guys in the bullpen. That, and that's it. I mean, the rest of the guys all came from somewhere else. So the guys that are homegrown are Kluber, uh, and Salazar on in the starting rotation. Clevenger came from California. Ryan Merritt is homegrown, if you want to talk about him. But right now he's in the minor leagues. That, well, that it's going to be interesting to to see what the Reds do in terms of their um, their growth over the next two or three years. Because right now they're just not they're not competitive against good teams. They they can hold their own against bad teams, uh, as everybody can. But uh, their their offense is not going to be able to carry them, and they they are not going to make any trades to to improve the team. The only trades they're going to make this year will hurt the team this year, and probably next year. I mean, Zach Cozart, uh, he is turning into an incredibly effective offensive shortstop. Uh, he's hampered by a hamstring injury or a, a quad injury, but uh, you know this guy could hit twenty home runs this year. So um, he, he's a guy, if you, if you trade him, you're not going to get better immediately. I don't know who they're going to get for him. But, you know, with a three-month rental, you're not going to get much. So then what are you going to do? Try and get another Cozart? 
that can get to his statistics in, in four or five years, that's you know that's a, a path that just doesn't work. I, I don't know how they're going to fix this, and I know they have some new leadership in Dick Wagner or in um, Dick Williams. Dick Williams. So hopefully, you know, he'll he'll have the the magic the magic touch. But right now, uh, and, and you have to remember, I was enthusiastic about this club the first couple of months of the season, but after seeing them be disassembled by two or three good teams, like uh, like Washington particularly, it, it, I mean, they weren't even, it was like a triple-A team or a double-A team playing a major league team. The gap was so apparent, and you see the same gap with the Indians. It, it's just, they're not close, unfortunately. Mark, you've got, you know, a lot of teams that have problems, one of the major reasons they have the problems is they've got too much talent accumulated at too many of the same positions. For example, with the Reds, you've got too many good catchers. You've got too many second basemen, too many shortstops. And when you look at the organization up and down uh, from the minors into the majors, you've got too many third basemen. I mean, right now I think you would say that the Reds' outfield is probably defensively the best in baseball. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Do you? Oh, certainly, yeah, I would agree with that, and, and it's they're underrated in that way. That I, I know they lead the league in outfield assists, uh, throwing guys out on the bases, and uh, so, yeah, they, they've got they got some tools. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm watching Salazar or um, Suarez at the plate now, and that you brought up a good point just now about what are they going to do with Senzel, who is moving up the ladder. He could be with the Reds next year. Uh, he was their number one draft pick from last year. And so what do you do with Suarez? Uh, do you move Senzel to second base? Uh, do you put him in left field? Do you put Suarez in left field? Uh, the Reds have to make some decisions, but you can't keep shuffling the deck. You've got to land on some players and say, this is my guy. The problem with the Reds is they get their guy and then they can't afford him. So they trade him off. You know, the two the two people, and I know you wanted to bring this up tonight too also, but the two people that disappoint me as far as the Reds are concerned, other than the pitching, Devin Mazzarocco and Peraza. Mark, I've, I've watched these guys long enough to realize that Devin Mazzarocco is never going to be a major league caliber pit, uh, catcher. He's just not. He, he, he doesn't do well at blocking the ball in front of the plate, uh, in the dirt. He's not a very good thrower. Uh, he's just not a major league caliber catcher. Peraza, they're trying to force feed him at shortstop. He's not a shortstop. He's proven that. He just doesn't have the glove at shortstop. And this year he really hasn't had the bat to even stay in the lineup. But, you know, I mean, you could almost say that Brian Price has benched him in favor of Scooter Jeanette, which I don't think anybody would blame him for if he'd just come out and say that. But those are the two guys, Mark, that have extremely disappointed me this year on the Reds team. Yeah, Peraza, I think, is a bigger disappointment than Mesoraco. Mesoraco, you know, he's hit six or seven home runs, and, and he's he's you know, he's coming back off missing two years. Hey, Peraza is not a major league hitter. He's not, I mean, he's, he, he, he doesn't attack the ball. Uh, he, I would bet, and I don't have a hit chart here, I would bet he has made 75% of his outs to right field on the right side of second base, either ground balls or little weak pop-ups to right field. I, I it, It's amazing. And the other thing about him, in 165 times at the plate, he has walked once. This is for a guy who's supposed to steal bases. He's supposed to be at the top of the lineup. One time in 168 at bats and uh, uh, get a walk, that's unbelievable. He's, he swings at bad pitches. He's he's not ready, and the Reds try to force him into second base when the and you're right, Dave. You're absolutely right. He's not even close to being a major league shortstop. He, the only position for him is second base, and Scooter Jeanette is just you know taking the position away from him and and, and deservedly so. I mean he's. Scooter's got, what, 18 home runs now? That's unbelievable. You know, I could see him being moved to center field, Peraza, if they would decide to give up on the Billy Hamilton situation. But Peraza's not even hitting well enough, Mark, to trade his bat for Billy Hamilton's defense, as far as I'm concerned, out in center. 
Well, they're hitting about the same. They're both hitting around 250. You know, Billy's a much better base dealer. He he gets on base at a higher percentage. He plays great defense. And, you know, I think Billy has he, he has a ceiling. I don't see the ceiling on Peraza. Uh, so the Reds have some – that's that's so disappointing because, you know, they're supposed to be in the fourth year of a rebuild. And some of these guys have proven they're not going to be the future for this team. And when you have a – a 23, 24-year-old who, who you look at and say, this guy, he can't play. He can't play at this level. Now, let's stop for a second. Players improve. And maybe Peraza, I mean, what he needs to do is put on a little weight, you know, get a little stronger. But if he does, he's not going to be able to play shortstop. So his only position is going to be second base. And, you know, Dilson Herrera is supposed to be the next great thing, and he's going to be on the DL now for the rest of the year in the minors. So, you know, look up and down the lineup. Look, look, look at the roster. Where is the talent coming from? <laughs> good question. You know, that's a very, it's a, it's a very good question. All because the guys there's not much talent available out there. Well, well, it's, you know, everybody, you know, touts these, these, these players. The front office does, and they they just don't perform. And, and when you kind of roll the dice for some of these guys, it's <laughs> and then they don't produce. You know, you're you're in deep trouble, and, and that's where the Reds are. They're, they're, they just got beat by the boys six to two. So okay, um, are there are the Reds <laughs> being forced into a situation then, Mark, that they they need to go to Zach Cozart and try to get him in a, onto a three year deal? I would. If I was the Reds, he, he he brings stability, he brings a bat, and he's the kind of guy also that he could move to third base. If you get a shortstop that you like better, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's got a good glove, he's got some power now, uh, and I think he'd be excellent at third base. If you have a young shortstop, but you've got you two go guys that are going to play third base anyway in Sinzel. Yeah, but and- I'm not sure. I'm not sure Sinzel's going to be ready next year. I mean, he's still in Double A. Uh, who knows? But if you if you can hit, they'll find a spot for you. But the, the Reds, the the plan. I want to hear and see the plan. What do they foresee as their starting rotation or their 25 man roster in 2018 or 2019? I don't see it. I don't know where you can look at this roster. And say, okay, we know these guys are going to be ready in 2018 or 2019. I don't see it. I, you know, I hope I, I'm wrong. I look at the, <laughs> I, I, I look at the team, Mark, and I, I think if you get these guys to come back and and they can actually, you know, throw six innings, the starting rotation, I think you've got a team that can be fairly competitive. Can they make the playoffs? I don't think so. I agree with you. I think they. They're they're a couple of years away from being a playoff contender, but realistically, I mean, Mark, like I said, they've got positions where they've got too much talent at those positions, and other positions they don't have enough. I mean, middle infielders—they've got a ton of middle infielders. They they just drafted another couple of middle infielders. They've got third baseman coming out the yin yang right now. You could play Janetta third. You just said they could play Cozart at third. They've got Peraza. They've got Senzel. That they could play at third. Fact of the matter is, I mean, they could move Duval to first base. They could move Mezzarocco to first base. They could move, you know, keep Votto there. Whatever it is you want to do, they could do it. But the problem is, is that they don't have enough guys to spread out all over the field that are able to play at major league caliber right now. And Peraza, I think, is the number one problem. And Mezzarocco, Mark Mezzarocco is going to hit five or six home runs. No matter what position he plays, but he—you got to admit—he's a terrible catcher. Yeah, but I give him a, a, the break mainly because of his injury. And uh, no matter what you say, um, if you don't have starting pitching, the rest of it doesn't matter. And right now, the Reds don't have starting pitching. I mean, this this Luis Castillo, I think, has a lot of talent. He throws hard. He'll be pitching tomorrow night against the Yankees. Uh, he's got a three eighty six ERA. Uh, he, he's the best talent they have right now on that pitching staff, and he's the one I was talking about. Yeah, he, he's Early. the guy that reminds me of uh, Johnny Cueto, 
eight, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, hopefully he'll he'll turn into that kind of pitcher. But you know, you can't build a team around a third baseman uh, or a left fielder or even a first baseman. You got to you have to have that starting pitching. And yeah, it'd be interesting to know. I remember last year the, the Reds lost all five starting pitchers as well. They, the same thing happened this year that happened last year. And I, it, it'd be interesting to see on what percentage of, of, of starting pitchers made their starts over the last two years. I bet it's a remarkably low percentage. I, I would agree with you. And, and I know the Indians last year, they, they went almost the entire year without a starting pitcher missing a spot in the rotation up until Carrasco uh, broke his thumb near the end of the regular season. That was the first time they had a, a starting pitcher miss his spot in the rotation. That's why the Indians were so good. They had stability in the starting pitching. Now they've had Salazar out for a while. They've had Kluber out for a while. They've had Ke- uh, Carrasco out for a little while. You know, I mean, they've had guys, Mark, that have have missed a start here or there. But they've also got the Ryan Merritts of the world, the Mike Clevengers of the world, that can come in and step into that spot and prove that they're ready for the major league level. And that's what the Indians have over the Reds right now. Yeah, the Indians have a lot more talent than the Reds do. But it wasn't that long ago that the Indians were in the same situation that the Reds are in now. Well, we'll see what the plan is. I mean, you, you, nobody can can look into the future with any kind of clarity and say, here's what's going to happen, because these players develop at different rates. And, and you know, Stevenson has not developed yet. Maybe next year will be his year. Who knows? Uh, you just never know. But right now, if you just look at it now objectively, uh, the Reds just don't have the talent. And that is an organizational issue. And that's why I look back 10 years. Get, and, you know, if you look back 20 years, Dave, it's even worse because they they had losing records for 10 years prior to that. So over 20 years, they've had winning records three times. That's 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 an organizational problem. That's that's not the players you have on your on your bench or your you know your bullpen, or your starting rotation. That's an organizational failure, and that's that's what is creeping into this thing year after year. It's been they haven't won for the last four years, and I doubt they're going to win next year. That, that that's what I'm getting at. It's it's not that they have. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't see where this team, as constructed, can compete in the near future. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. But the reality I see is that this team could lose for another three or four more years. Mark, you know, I, Greg Mitchell, our producer, brought up an interesting point the other day. When you look back at these trade day deadlines, that the Indians and the Reds have gone up against over the past few years. And I'm going to go back more about the Indians, and then I want to ask you a question about the Reds. Boy, when you look at some of the the, the trade day deals that the Indians have made, they have given up several players that have gone away from the Indians and become just absolute superstars down the road uh, with other teams. C.C. Sabathia, just to name one. I mean, I could, if I wanted to go down and, and, and add a laundry list of people, I could probably do it. But you know what? When you look at the deals that the Reds made when they dismantled that team from 10, 11, 12, 13, what player really that they gave up has come back to haunt this team and really thought, boy, I wish I wouldn't have given up that player because look what he's done since he left. Well, the most obvious to me is Encarnacion. Uh, they got rid of him because they thought he was a bad defensive player. And they didn't wait long enough. And they got Scott Rowland. Uh, Scott Rowland stayed with the Reds for two and a half years. He didn't contribute all that much uh, to me. He, he was given a lot of credit for their run there in 10, uh, 12, and 13. But he, he was an aging player, and you gave up a guy who, in that period of time, has hit what? 200 home runs. <laughs> he would be the guy that uh, I would look to as their biggest giveaway. Uh, but then you had Johnny Cueto and you had Mike Leake and you had, 
although he hasn't done yeah, much what's, lately. What's Leak done? That's what, that's my point. What has Leak done since he left Cincinnati? Not much. Well, he's pitching pretty well this year in, in St. Louis. Uh, he he, w- he was a stabilizing guy. Now you talked about Bronson Arroyo being a stabilizer. Well, Mike Leak was. He he pitched a lot of innings. He wasn't he wasn't great. But he was like your guy who started today, that kind of pitcher in my mind, a good four or five guy. Uh, he, he wasn't your, your stopper. But Cueto was a stopper. And, you know, giving away Johnny Cueto, he's having a bad year this year, but the Giants sucked this year. So I, I don't know. I didn't look at his numbers beyond his, his uh, win-loss win record. But, uh, you know, if you had been able to keep Cueto, that would have, that would have changed everything for the Reds. But the, but, the, but they didn't. So those two guys, to me, would have made a difference for the Reds. You add, you give away a 40-home run guy like uh, Encarnacion over the last six years, uh, that, that's <laughs> that's giving up a lot. Mark, you know, and I, I heard tonight driving around, I was listening to Marty Brenneman talk to C. Trent Rosecrans of the Cincinnati Inquirer about uh, some of the broadcasters, and it led me to a question I wanted to ask you, and I'll give my opinion after we we get yours. In your mind, who's the best baseball play-by-play man you've ever heard? Uh, well, it, it depends how far back you go. I mean, I, I always had well, my favorite. Well, back as far as you can. Well, I, I can take um, Red Barber. Um, Al Michaels, I think Al Michaels was great. I still do think he's great. Um, uh, Ernie Harwell uh, for Detroit, I thought he was a great announcer. Uh, Jack Buck, I mean these these are all iconic guys that I listened to growing up. And you remember uh, Jack was it Jack Prince, the guy for Pittsburgh? Bob Prince. Bob, Bob Prince. Prince. Yeah, yeah. What a voice! I mean. I, I was going to say, you, you took the words out of my mouth. That deep baritone boy, bass voice, mm-hmm. he was down here, and he, I loved it. Listen, you know, I had my transistor radio, and I, I could pick up. I guess it was KDKA uh, in Pittsburgh, and, and hear the Pirates yep. play uh, when they had Clemente and Bob Skinner and those guys. Uh, anyway, yeah, those guys come to my mind. How about you? You know, you mentioned the one that that is often forgotten, Jack Buck. Yeah. You know, I, I loved listening to Jack Buck. Um, and when you think about him, you, I mean, you brought up Red Barber, Ernie Harwell. Ernie Harwell was such a treat to listen to. You know, I thought Vince Scully was a great storyteller. I'm not quite sure he was that great at at following the action, but he was such a great storyteller. Jack Buck, when you listened to him, Mark, and, and I did the same thing that you did, you listen to him through the transistor radio back in the 60s and 70s and listen to the Cardinals play on KMOX. Jack Buck could make you actually think you were there. You could see every little detail of what was going on in Old Bush Stadium when Jack Buck was doing the games. I loved him on radio. I wasn't that thrilled about him in, on TV. I remember Dizzy Dean doing the games. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he did Game of the Week on Saturday with Pee Wee Reese. Remember that? And yeah. t- t- Tony Kubek. Those, those, are, those are guys who are – that was a good team. So there's been some great announcers. And it's funny you mention that because the other day, I think it was in the Sunday paper, uh, somebody wrote in and said, who the heck are the Reds announcers? The Reds have had nine different announcers this year. And I think that really hurts – the symmetry of the team and the, the the fan base because they bring in these second and third announcers and I know Marty Brenneman is 73 years old now and and doesn't want to work all that much but I'll tell you if I was their the Reds front office the next play by play guy I get you're going to do 162 games so if you don't want to do 162 then don't don't apply for the job I think that announcer does so much for a team, even a team that's playing poorly, because the, the, the fans, they, they, they turn to that announcer for solace and for enthusiasm. And, and just like when the Reds had Joe Nuxall and Marty was doing all the games, that was they told the Reds' story. 
And now you've got nine different guys in that radio booth. And I, I, it, it just ruins it for me. I don't, I don't even listen to them anymore because you know, it's, it's, it's so inconsistent. Yeah, we we talked about this, I don't know, about a month ago. And then it was funny, Mark, because a few days after that, I heard uh, Mo Egger and Lance McAllister talking about it down in Cincinnati on 1530 and 700 about how they're disgusted with the fact that the Reds announcers just don't announce every game. You know, I mean, yeah. Mo Egger made the comment, like you just said, you know, Marty and Joe would do every game every year, no matter what. I mean, if, if one of them got sick, they really had to be on death's doorstep before somebody stepped in and took a, took their spot. I remember Herb score, Mark, with the Indians. For 27 years, this guy did every game. He never missed a game, Mark. Not one. But now you've got these announcers anymore. They're almost like ball players, where they take off a, 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 a day here, a day there, three days here, three days there. You know, I heard Marty talk on Friday night, and, and he, he turned to Jeff Brantley about halfway through the game, and he said, boy, this has been a heck of a week, hasn't it? And I thought to myself, what do you mean a heck of a week? You you didn't even do the first three games after the All Star break. You were right here. You know you were you were home. You you didn't do those games. This is the first game you've been back. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's getting some some notice because I know I read in the paper and what you just said. I didn't hear the guys tonight, but uh, I agree with you 100. It, it it takes away from um, what was kind of a sacred thing. I mean, you had I remember when the Reds had Wade Hoyt doing their games. I mean, well he he did every game, and you know that's. It was comforting to hear that voice all the time. And Marty has been. He's, you know, the guys sitting in the booth. The last couple of years, I've noticed it a lot. They they talk about fishing and they talk about what they're going to mm-hmm. do on their holiday and the restaurants nearby. They don't talk about the game, and that's what I really miss. Is you know, guys like Wade Hoyt would would talk about the game and talk mm-hmm. about. You know what what was happening on and off the field, and and these guys are taking it so casually. And I guess in their defense, when you have a team as crappy as the Reds, there's not a lot to talk about, I guess. But it, it, it I've noticed the last two or three years, and, and the TV guys are just. I, I like Chris Welch. I think Chris is very good. I know you're a fan of Tom Brenneman. I'm not. Uh, he gets no, off. No, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of Tom Brennan. He did not do the game tonight. Um, yeah, I know, uh, Marty. Jim, um, yeah. uh, Jim, Jim Day Kelch? did the game. No, oh, Jim, yeah, Day, okay. Jim Kelch. No, Jim Kelch. Jim you're right. It was Jim yeah, Kelch. Jim did Kelch the game. did the game. Um, and on the radio, it, it was Marty Brenneman and Jeff Brantley. Um, it, Jeff Brantley, to me, Mark, you don't have a clue what's going on in the ball game. I mean, earlier uh, there was there was a when I was coming back, getting ready for the show, I heard Brantley doing some play by play, and he he said there there's a fly ball that's going to hit on the the warning track and bounce over the third base dugout. I'm thinking, what? Wait, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, I, I had no idea what he was talking about until he tried to re-explain the play. Yeah, I've heard him. He'll forget uh, to, to call the play. You hear a crack of the bat, and, and he says, there's a fly ball, and that's it. That's the inning. You don't know where it yeah. went. If it was a good catch, a bad catch, you know, you don't, you don't hear you know, it's and this is on radio. It's not on TV. So, yeah, the, the answer is that was a good question because it's been one of my pet peeves, and I hadn't thought about it for a while. But very disappointing. And again, when Marty goes, you know, he probably has a a clause in his contract. I think I think next year's his next year, last year, I think. Um, and I'll be glad to see him go. He's been good. But he's he's he wants to do other stuff, you know. He's of the age now that he wants to um, go fish, I guess, or go on trips. That's fine. Go, go I Marty. don't know who it was he was talking to, Mark, but I know a week ago he was talking to somebody on seven hundred WLW. He said he will definitely be back next year. After that, he's just not so sure. Well, I have to make the decision for him and, and don't renew his contract. Um, he's uh, and the players don't like him. How much of an like uproar him. would there be if they did that? What? How much of an uproar would there be if they did that? Oh, I, I don't think there would be an uproar at all. 
I think the fans, and I, I go to this Red Leg Nation sometime, and the things we're saying right now has been repeated for a couple of years by most of the guys that, that, that you know, go on that website. And things I've heard on radio, and the players can't stand Marty. Uh, nobody likes Marty. So I don't think there'd be any uh, uproar if he left. And I, I wish they'd get rid of Tom as well. Uh, they probably won't. He probably has a longer-term contract, but... Um, you it's think they, unfortunate. Just, they would just put Tom in the in the uh, on the radio? They might, uh, you know, just for continuity of the name. But he's he's not a good play-by-play guy. And he's what drives me insane is they get off on stuff that isn't baseball related, mm-hmm. and that drives me nuts. And I'm not talking about you know for thirty seconds or a minute. They talk an entire half inning about something right. that's not baseball. It could be a restaurant, or it could be. You know what they're going to do on their off days, or who cares? You're there to broadcast the game, talk about the players, talk about trades, talk about stuff that the fans want to hear. They don't care what you're going to go eat. Yeah, and and you know with the Indians, I know when before Herb retired, which was right after the '97 World Series. You know that was a big thing in the city. I, you know Herb was not that good of a play-by-play man. I mean, let's let's be honest, he was not that good. But he was so much of an Indian that everybody wanted to see the Indians. I mean, after him doing games, Mark, throughout the middle 60s, throughout the 70s and 80s, and getting into the 90s, and he finally had an opportunity to get to the World Series and do some games in 95, and then 97 being so close to winning it, that was part of the disappointment, was that Herb Score, you know, it would have been nice to see Herb Score retire with the Indians winning a World Series, instead he retires after they blew it in the twelfth inning. <laughs> yeah, you know it's the same with Joe Nexall. I think there's probably a similarity there. Uh, Joe was not a good play-by-play guy. He'd get confused, and his biggest faux pas he'd get left field and right field mixed up. Here's a ball in the gap in left field. Well, it hit off the right yeah. field wall. But people forgave him because he was sincere, he was a fan, he was honest, he was, uh, you know, he lived and died with the Reds, and, and fans can tell that. A lot of these guys, they're, they're not that way. It's a job, and they come across that way. And uh, you know, Joe, just like Herb Score, you know, beloved with their with their fan base, and that's what you don't have. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know how you go out and... and and get that. I, I don't know the Reds have any guys who have retired recently that could be good in, in a booth. Uh, Sean Casey was in Pittsburgh, but I, he was terrible. And they, Please, Sean, not Doug Flynn. Please, no, not, not Doug Flynn. No, not Doug Flynn. He, he's not even a good color guy. No. But, you know, having heard you do play-by-play, I mean, I, I think you're as certainly as capable of a lot of the guys I've heard on Major League Baseball. Oh, play by play ain't easy, folks. I, I've, I've tried it and I've done it. Uh, color, uh, I think, is 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 fun to do and, uh, and enjoy doing that. But these major league play by play guys, the guys who are good, uh, they're they're very talented, and, and there's some really good ones out there. The Reds just don't happen to have any of them right now. You know, another one that I forgot to bring up that is that was very good for years and years and years. Dick Enberg. Oh, sure. But everybody yeah, thinks about Dick Enberg good. doing other sports. Oh, no. He was, he, he, did he retire this year? I know he, he yeah. did the games last year. Yeah. He's done. Okay. Because he, he, he's only doing he, he got overshadowed. Okay. He yeah, got overshadowed when uh, uh, the, the Dodgers guy, uh, Ben Scully, retired because uh, Dick mm-hmm. Enberg, I thought, was really, really good. You know, and I think he, honestly, Mark, Knowing the kind of guy that Dick Enberg is, I think he did that on purpose. I really do. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think he wanted to be unfair. So, anyway, so here's what we've got going as far as the Reds are concerned throughout the rest of the week. What's happening with the Reds? Well, they they play New York uh, on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, they play um, Pittsburgh, and then then they go to Miami for a rematch over the weekend with Miami. So uh, another weekend series. So we'll, we'll see what happens with teams. I think they can beat, uh, but right now they're they're not going to beat good teams. How about the Indians? Well, the Indians they've got the Angels coming to town. That's going to be fun. They've got them oh, yeah. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoon for a businessmen special, and then coming up 
throughout the rest of the weekend. They've got the Chicago White Sox coming to town, and that should be entertaining also because the White Sox, even though they're making a lot of trades, Mark, they're playing some pretty good baseball right now. So the White Sox will be coming to town. And then next week is Boston, and, of course, next week is the Major League Trade Deadline, and we'll talk more about that next Monday night. All right, Dave. Have a good one. You too. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Glad we could come back and overcome our problems from a week ago and come back on here and talk about the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians. We'll do it again next Monday night here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. So join us again next Monday night at 9 o'clock here on Ultimate Sports Talk. We've got a big college announcement coming up for you here on Ultimate Sports Talk in the next few days, so be sure to watch the website for that. And you can hear a replay of tonight's broadcast coming up on iTunes or just come on to the website and listen to it. Until next Monday night at 9 o'clock, I'm Dave Mitchell for Mark Donahue. Have a good night, everybody.